0: Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on what are you thinking. If you want to turn to James chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. I want to ask you a question today, and I want to do it with all of the emphasis, passion, passion and excitement that I think it should be asked. So, I just want to say, what in the world are you thinking? All right? What in the world are you thinking? James chapter 2, starting in verse 1. My dear brothers and sisters, fellow believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, how could we say that we have faith in him and yet we favor one group of people above another? All right, let me just stop right there. Dear brothers and sisters, fellow believers, okay? And so who is this message to? This is to brothers and sisters. I like to say brethren and sisterin fellow believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ so you can be a believer that's a I use that term lightly you can be saved without having faith that's crazy i mean you had to have faith to be saved but you can just stop there You can have faith enough to get saved and then not faith enough to make right choices and faith to live a life of righteousness. So how can we say that we have faith in him and yet we favor one group of people over another? So favoring a group of people over another is a question of faith. Okay? Favoring one group of people over another is a question of faith. I love this because everybody in this room, you guys are so smart and you so know exactly what I'm going to talk about today already, don't you? You're like, oh man, this is, we get this. You don't. So, favoring one group of people over another is a question of faith. How can we say we have faith and do this? We're believers, but we don't have faith because we do this. So we're faithless believers, which is kind of difficult, right? Because believing requires faith. But we're faithless believers. Let me just help you with that. That's pretty miserable. I tried to process through 27,000 rabbit holes before I came here today. Because as I continue to meditate on this word, I wanted to chase a lot of things. And I don't have time even though God stopped time. If it was still 10, 11.30 right now, I would preach it all because that would mean we are living in a miraculous moment. But time has begun to move again. So I won't chase them all. But it is possible to be a believer. I've done it Come on. and not have faith. It's even po- possible to live a life that exemplifies radical decisions of obedience and still not be trusting God, don't try that at home. That's really bad. I'll I'll try to do this one super fast. I was on a quest. I went on a quest because I was mean. And I was angry and I was frustrated and I was snappy and I was a bad dad and a bad husband. And I was a church planter and radically offended obeying and following God's will for my life and doing what he said to do and I was mean and angry while I was doing it. And so I went to this thing called a quest and and they had this thing called the mercy seat and we all sat around and we had confession. And we sat in the mercy seat and we had confession and we threw no stones at one another. And we just prayed and covered one another, and, and it was just glorious. But we were going around this room, and everybody was making confession, and there were some really doozy, there were some wild confessions going on. <laughs> it's all been, okay? Some wild confessions going on, and I'm like, oh, gosh, this is crazy. And I probably shouldn't be here because I'm not like these people. <laughs> And when it gets to me, I'm going to sound like like I'm trying to be super spiritual, but I'm not. I just am. <laughs> you know, and I'm not, I'm not going to have all these stories that they're telling. I'm not going to have all of these sins to confess. And, and when I say, I really don't have anything, guys, <laughs> they're going to hate me. And as I'm rationalizing in my mind, I was like, Lord... You know, you told me to quit my full-time job and go plant a church, and now I'm driving a school bus and I'm mowing yards. I mean, if that is not serving you, I don't know what is. I hate my life. Lord, Johanna and I felt like we were supposed to trust you with how many kids I've had. Lord, look at us. These people are being so convenient with their life and saying, we don't know if we want to have any more. It's, you know, it's just, don't let, me, let me not mess too much. But, you know what I'm saying? Lord, look at us. We got like a petting zoo. <laughs> and so I went through this list of stuff with God, trying to help God understand even more why I had nothing. And he said, Yeah, but you don't trust me. And I was like, If I didn't trust you, I wouldn't be doing all this stuff. He said, Yes, you would. You would obey me because you know enough about me to know that my way is best. But while you're doing what I told you to do, you're not trusting me. That's why you're angry. So So when it came to me, I don't trust God. I thought you were a pastor. I thought you were a church. Yeah, I know. It's bad. It's a conflict of interest. <laughs> it is glorious what God did with me in the continuation of that week and what he continues to do in my life, but it's possible to not have faith and be a believer. Where were we? Verse 2. Suppose an influential man comes into your worship meeting wearing gold rings and expensive clothing. And also a homeless man in shabby clothes comes in. If you show special attention to the rich man in expensive clothes and say, here's a seat of honor for you right up front, but you turn to the poor you turn and say to the poor beggar dressed in rags, you can stand over here or sit over there on the floor in the back. Then you've demonstrated gross prejudice among yourselves and used evil standards of judgment. Another translation says you've made judgments with evil motives. And so, but what is all this a question of? Faith. Faith. When we make judgments about people and we decide which people are more worthy and which people are less worthy, it's a question of faith. And so many times we take texts like this and we just take them and we try to modify our behavior and we say, okay, I'll treat people better. I'll do the right things. I'll do the right things. And you get angrier while you're trying to do the right things. And then when you make your judgments, now you're angry when you make your judgments. So You've just intensified the anguish of your judgments because now I'm not even allowed to make judgments about you because it's wrong, but I still don't have faith in God, so I have to make judgments about people. Right? So now I'm real bad. First Samuel 16, 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, Because I've rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. This, of course, was Samuel, the Lord speaking to Samuel as he was looking at Jesse's sons and trying to determine which one to anoint as king. And the strongest and the biggest and the best were paraded before him. And the Lord said, nope, nope no there's a man of this house that is a man after my own heart keep looking till you find him he says is there any more yeah we have one more son out in the, the ruddy one I don't even know what ruddy means do you just, what's ruddy mean you know he's just ruddy dark dark skin ruddy Rustic, maybe, I don't know, all the things. Not the best choice as they look on the outward appearance. I don't know what it exactly means, but let's just assume it embodies everything that means not the one. You know? And he says, no, I've rejected him because God doesn't look on the outside like man does, but he looks at the heart. Now, it'd be real simple for us to talk today about treating people right and not making distinctions among ourselves and not putting down one class and one race or one ethnicity or one whatever. That would be a great surface-level talk that we could have today. But everybody would just leave here with the same thoughts. You would just be mad that you don't get to act on them because I would tell you that behavior's wrong and you leave here with a yoke on your neck to go out of here and try to not do the wrong things. But the only way we can fix it is if we talk about the issue of faith. And this is what I believe it comes down to. I was in staff this staff meeting this week. As Jacob came in and I heard him, it just reminded me, we have our kids in here today. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? You see me chasing mine around during worship that was trying to play ball and basketball in here. It's fun. But I love it when we have our kids in here. It's Fourth Sunday. I love that most of our staff gets to be in here. We never get to acknowledge Chady in here. Aren't you thankful for Pastor Chady? The work she, she does. She never gets to sit with her husband, Michael, and enjoy service. We're thankful for our kids and the team that leads them doing an awesome job my kids are always excited about kids ministry these days so that's awesome thank you a few weeks ago I made an appeal to everybody thank you for responding thank you for responding it has helped dramatically let me make one more appeal that I didn't plan on making Wednesday nights we still need it to dramatically be affected Wednesday nights It's an awesome time. There's 40 kids. I mean, there are lots of kids on Wednesday nights. And um, so that's just an, an amazing outlet. I just let the Lord speak to your heart and be involved with that. Super fun, super awesome opportunity to pour into kids. But I was in staff this week. And in my defense, I knew... The word I was saying wasn't the right word, but I was having a little bit of fun with the staff. And uh, I kind of forgot the kids are going to be in here. I always forget. And so I was going to get your permission before starting today to be a little bit crass. And, and, you know, yeah, so... So I told the staff this week, someone was like, I don't know. We were talking about false humility, I think, or something like that. And I said, don't be (laughs) self-defecating. And I said, I know that's not the word, but I don't know exactly what the word is. I never know if it's deprecating, deprecating, whatever. So I just say Deprecating. Defecating. Don't be self defecating. <laughs> the actual term is, as soon as this comes back on, the actual term is self deprecating. No, yeah, deprecating. Very close. Two letters difference. Self deprecating is belittling or undervaluing oneself. Belittling or undervaluing oneself is self-deprecating. Self-defecating is pooping on oneself. I think they're exactly the same. I really do. I know that's gross, but it's really the same. So the reason we have to make distinctions between people is because we've spent so much time self-defecating <laughs> that we have to find someone who smells worse. All right. Come on. That's good. So that everybody doesn't pay attention to our mess. We're constantly trying to make distinctions, so we can highlight differences, so we can distract the onlookers to not look at our poopy pants. Perfect for kids. Am I doing good? Is this good for kids? I mean, they like this stuff, right? I love to talk about poop. Awesome. Every fourth Sunday, I'll be talking about poop. I'll be here. I'll be doing it. But we start making distinctions about people yeah. with evil motives that's birthed out of making distinctions about ourselves with evil motives. Yes. See, we can't love others. The Bible says love others like yourself. You've got to love yourself before you can love them like you love yourself. And we can't like ourselves if we keep self-deprecating and rehearsing the lies about ourselves that the adversary keeps whispering in our ears instead of meditating and rehearsing and reminding ourselves what God says about us and who God says that we are. So when we talk about loving people correctly and not showing favoritism and not doing all these things, that is surface talk. We need to talk about being whole, complete, and lacking nothing so we actually have something that we can give to the world around us. Because if you're not whole, you're always needing. And if I'm needing, I have to take from other people. And if I'm needing, I have to begin to categorize who is able to give me what I need and cast aside who I think is not. But if I don't need anything from you, I don't care if you've got the best clothes on or the raggedy clothes on because I'm good. How are you? Matthew 6 verse 19 Kind of like this sermon today, you probably all thought I was going to just nail a certain topic. I would say many of us have read Matthew 6:19 through 23 and had a very firm grasp on exactly what it's talking about. But I want to tell you today, I don't think we do. Starting in verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I've just now read the offering verse. Can we bring the buckets back in? I'm sure you guys are convicted to give more now. That's a joke. But come on, this is about giving, right? Store up for yourself treasures in heaven where, you know, give it to the pastor and it'll be safe. I mean, help his family go to the beach this year and you'll be good. I mean, I'm I'm good with that, right? But Matthew six before this, check this out, is talking about not giving where people see you give as to get affirmation here. It says, don't even let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. That's so powerful to me because look, that means my right hand doesn't even know what my left hand is doing. That's all a battle inside myself, my two hands, right? I don't even need to try to convince my other hand what this hand is doing because I'm empty and I'm not sure if I'm good enough so I'm giving so that I can convince myself I'm good enough so I gotta make sure my left hand sees what my right hand's doing so these two hands can convince my heart that I'm really a good person. That just, no, it's okay? So it says don't give where people can see it. Don't even try to let yourself know how great you are. And it says, don't pray with fancy repetitions and words so that people can see how extravagant your knowledge of God is. And it talks about when you fast, don't mope around, saying, look at me. Then it goes straight into, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth. So all of these religious activities are actually just storing up treasure on earth. We're trying to compensate on the world system of measurement. We're trying to use religious duties to try to make us weigh enough on the world system. And what happens is, is the moss will eat it the rust will destroy it and thieves will break in and steal it. So if we've got a religion, if we've got a faith based on religious duties, it's going to be devoured and poked holes in and it's gonna leak out and it's gonna leave us empty and angry. Because we've tried to manipulate God and we've tried to manipulate ourselves to appease the itch of unworthiness in us with religious duties. And like the prophetess sings in The Greatest Showman, that's a joke. (laughs) Never enough. Never enough. That was pretty good right there. Never enough. It's never enough. You're never going to get. She loved that, didn't she? I'll give, baby girl, I'll give you your own personal concert one day. It's never enough. We're never going to reach that level of doing enough stuff if we started weighing our worth with evil motives and intentions. If we've let the adversary of our soul who wants to steal, kill, and destroy set the balances of worthiness in our heart, we're going to be doing things that look good and noble like we're doing it unto the Lord, but we're really doing it unto the one who set the scale. It's not good to give all the things that you're trying to put on the scale to a thief. (laughs) I hate religion because it's led by a thief. And every time you think you're adding treasure in heaven, if you're adding it to the scales of the world, then you're putting it in the hands of a thief, and he's going to constantly be, I gave you 10 already. Nope, it was just seven. I did enough, didn't I? Nope. And he's so good at it that you think it's God constantly looking at you and rejecting But God is not going to tell you, yeah, we got it up here. You did awesome. You felt worth when we were never giving it to him to start with. It goes on to say, the eye is the lamp of the body. What? This is about giving and, wait, what? Maybe this had nothing to do with giving. Laying up treasure in heaven. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is, that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? The eye is the lamp of the body. So what are we doing? How did we see who had the gold watch on? How did we see who had the rags on? How did we see, what did we use to begin to determine value and worth? What we see in the world. If that's what we use to determine value and our lamps are bad because they're persuaded and influenced by world systems, then we're constantly going to make wrong determinations about what's worthy. And we'll think other people aren't worthy because we think we're not worthy. Romans 8, 5, those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. Isn't that amazing though? I've preached before. We need to pursue what feels good, not what feels good. So we're thinking about the flesh, but our eye is bad. Our lamp is bad. We're pursuing what we think benefits us, but it has no benefit to us. It's treasure on earth. We look better among our peers. We weigh ourselves against ourselves. I always like to say we're the tallest pygmy. Congratulations. You're the tallest pygmy. Awesome. No offense, pygmies. There's any pygmies in here? Pygmies online? We love the pygmies. All the pygmies of the world. (laughs) I was talking to somebody the other day. You know, there are distinctions among all of us, and I remember the days we used to just have fun talking about some of the different distinctions among us. We didn't get so offended about it. But we get offended now because we hate ourselves. And we've made wrong determinations about ourselves because we've used the wrong scale because we're looking with a broken lens and we're on edge. We got a chip on our shoulder. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves, but those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. That's why some of the most religious people are some of the most far-from-God people you'll ever meet. Religion doesn't get you closer to him. Any religious acts that you do, any noble or righteous acts that you do, don't get you closer to him. They actually just come out of you because you've been close to him. We're not going towards approval. We're working from approval. We're not trying to get close to him by doing the right stuff. We're doing the right stuff because we've been close to him. (laughs) It cannot do it. What in the world are you thinking? For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. Man, I want God to find pleasure in me. Don't you? I want to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I don't care about how many right actions I do. I want to please God. I want to do it in love and by faith. so much more we're going to have to pass the mature children of god are those who are motivated Romans 8:14 those who are moved by the impulses of the holy spirit you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough but you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God and you will never feel orphaned for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. I would continue to say, beloved father, it is my joy to serve you, to honor you with my life. 1 Peter 2, 9, but you're a chosen, God's chosen treasure. Priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. For at one time you were not God's people, but now you are. At one time you knew nothing of God's mercy because you hadn't received it, but now you're drenched with it. It's dripping off of you. And you can love other people because you can love yourself. Today, be easy to suppose what my intention is, is a kumbaya moment. Where we love everybody. We are the world. We are the children. We are the ones who make a brighter day. So let's start giving. There's a choice we're making. Oh my gosh, I was thinking about that guy in that movie again just now. There's a president. Anyway, here comes the boom. Guy trying to meditate on the things to become a citizen sings that song. Go check it out. Beautiful. But it's really not. I, I would be so huge today, as I to say this. This will be great. This will. This will great. This will probably move me up on the list of heretical. Her her, her heretical. <laughs> That's right, isn't it? <sighs> heretical. Heretical. Man, I just self defecated. Move me up on the church of heretical, up on the list of heretical churches you shouldn't go to. As for what I'm saying today, I don't even care how you treat other people. I'm not here today to talk to you about how you treat other people. That is a distraction right now from what I'm talking to you about. Don't get distracted. Because if you get distracted, you'll leave here trying to do another thing to put another thing on the scale. (laughs) You'll be trying to love people right, and you'll be trying to lay up treasures on this earth, and you'll find that it did not increase any value in your life. So let's just leave that alone for right now, if you don't mind. Let's deal with ourselves. Goodness. Revelation, let's just jump on to Revelation 3.20. Behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice and you open the door within, I will come into you and feast with you. You will feast with me. And to the one who conquers, I will give the privilege of sitting with me on my throne just as I conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Now look, we know that we're co-seated with Christ, Ephesians 2, right, in heavenly places. But this, when it says conquers here, this literally the tense of the word, the verb tense of conquers is active. And right now, one who continually, repeatedly, and habitually conquers will sit with me. Yeah, we're seated with him. But you have to repeatedly, continually, habitually conquer thinking that you're not worthy to sit with him and self-deprecate yourself down to sitting back down here in some lowly place because you've made distinctions about yourself with evil motives birthed from the slanderer and the liar and you remove yourself from your rightful place of sitting because you cannot receive God's mercy and grace for your life. You will sit with him if you continually and repeatedly, habitually conquer. You know what one of the worst things about laying up treasure on the earth through religious duties is? The day when you think you have to have arrived. Anybody ever got there where this has to be enough? Enough. I think that's why I was so angry when I went on my quest. This has to be enough. I know when I was, you know, doing this and I was in full-time ministry and all this and I was still trying to obey you, but maybe that money I was getting made it not virtuous, you know, and now I'll just give away all the money and I won't get a check and I'll this has to be enough. I have to get approval now. He's never going to reward your broken system so you'll put more faith in it. He's just going to keep taking you back. Hey, anytime you're ready, I'll go back and show you that you were approved. This is my son in whom I am well pleased before you do your first miracle. I can't come in here now and say, yes, you've done enough. I now reward you because you. the next time the enemy lies to you and says you're not enough, you'll try to do more stuff and I will actually sow into your destruction and he's holy and he don't do that. So he doesn't do that. Philippians 2, Verse 6, I know I got to land this thing. Though he was God, Philippians 2.6, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. So as Jesus was contemplating leaving his throne in heaven to come down here and lay in a manger and wear, let's just do it one more time since the kids are in here. And wear poopy diapers like humans and be tempted in every single way that any of us could ever be tempted so that he can be a high priest who was tempted in all ways and yet knew no sin, sounds like a fun time. So as he's contemplating this, it's like, stay here, seated by God, equal with God, or release that, and become in the image of a man and subject myself to men to hang me on a cross. Yet, he knew what he was getting into when he messed with you. And so he thought, although he was equal with God, it was not something to be clung to, asserted, I can't do that because I'm God, but he humbled himself and released it and submitted to... Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form... He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So, Not something to be clung to. Humbled himself. Came to our realm. Following me? Died. Rose again. Seated. In the highest place. With a name above every other name. What, like, what's the point? That why I do all that because now we have the option because of what he came and did to join him where he is but if Jesus had to release equality with God to come and meet us here we have to release inequality with God to go with Him there. I'm going to, have to say that slower. If Jesus to redeem us said equality with God is not something to be clung to or asserted, I'm going to come Old Country Song. I start walking your way, you start walking mine. We'll meet in the middle underneath that old Georgia pine. <laughs> we gain a lot of ground because we both give a little. He didn't give a little, though. He gave it all. But we have to give it all, too. Here's the thing He came to us, we have to come to Him. He said equality with God was not something to be clung to. He had to be willing to humble himself and come down and get on our level. Because that's the only, you know, somebody had to die. Somebody on this level had to die. Adam, it's a whole other story. I think Adam could have died, could have been Rose again, him and Eve been great, fruitful multiplied, whole other story. But Adam didn't die. He did not die for the sin. Jesus died. I just, y'all, y'all just threw away my whole sermon because I said that. Now y'all are like, what? Yeah. Back it up. This guy's heretical. <laughs> Equality with God, not something to be grasped. Here it is. Asserted, clung to, an excuse, to not meet us. We cling to and hold to inequality with God. Like I could never sit there. I could never be there. If he knew all the things he does, <laughs> by the way, he doesn't know all the things. But we have to release inequality with God because we're heirs and joint heirs with Christ. We cry, Abba, Father. So, but we cling to and hold to. Why would anybody do that? I saw this picture of, you know, is great, man. I'm, I feel like a children's pastor today. So, playing freeze tag, you get froze. Yeah, my come here, hurry. Run up here. Hurry. Somebody's got to come. Ta- I'm froze. Tag me, tag me, tag me. All right, go back to All right, I'm free. I'm free. We play um, capture the flag freeze tag usually at Teruah, and you got to go into like the enemy's camp to unfreeze people, and so it's like a great risk to go in there, and you go in there and you unfreeze them, and here pretty much this is the picture of us once Jesus has come and tagged us and set us free. Well, I've really got used to this spot. You know, in this kind of identity that I've established here, there's not a whole lot of expectation of me because I'm stuck. Nobody expects me to come and unfreeze them, and I'm kind of tired. Anybody ever just been tired playing freeze tag? You know, somebody comes to tag you, you're like, don't tag me. I love the excuse that I'm frozen. If you tag me and I don't run, everybody will think I'm lazy. It's all kinds of things wrapped up in this position right here. I've established an identity right here. This is who I am. You ever heard people say, "Well, that's just who I, you know. That's just the way I am." I mean, that's that's just who I am. That's just blah, 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 blah. I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you. If you ever tell me that I, I, inside, I want to smack you. <laughs> if you're a man, women, I would never want to smack you. <laughs> me and I just want to smack you. Well, you know me. You know how I am. You know. You know just uh, la la la. la. Like, 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 you say that statement before whatever you tell me next, and I'm just supposed to be like, oh, yeah, that's so cool because that's who you are. You say it before you say, I treated somebody like a dog. You say it before you say, I did this, I did that, I did this. I mean, I just did this. You know, I did, uh, right, you know me. Yeah, that's awesome. Why don't you quit being you? Why don't you, won't you have a testimony? It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Because he came and he humbled himself and he came and he infused me with life and he gave me an opportunity to leave where I am and go where he is. He actually gave me a chance to be seated with him in heavenly places. I can tell today just how much this inequality with God has to be let go of. Y'all didn't get excited about that enough, so I can already tell that's a struggle we have. Are you saying we're equal with God? That is really bad heresy. I don't know. Join air with Christ sounds pretty, 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 pretty level flame field there, isn't it? Man, it's so comfortable. You can lay down over here. You can excuse every behavior. You can excuse every action. You know, um, people like to confess without repenting. Some of the most bound up people are great at confession. They love to tell everybody who they are and how bad they are. But they never move on to repentance and change. People come to me and start telling me all this stuff, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. I'm like, "That's awesome." My Chuck Norris. What are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? You getting that off your chest, you making sure I know you're that has just emboldened you in that behavior. Now more people know you're that way and now you have a bigger license to be that way. I believe that. I'm thankful all the time that I was raised a preacher's kid and that everything I did, I had to sneak to do. I did a lot of stuff, but I had to sneak to do it. I don't know I mean, God would be faithful. He would not let me go, but I think it would be 10 times harder for me to come back to him if I was able just to say, hey, I'm this kind of guy. I do this, I live this way, I party like this, I do like this, I'm a womanizer, I'm all this stuff, I da 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 and just was that way openly, and everybody knew I was that way, and I could relieve myself from the conviction I felt when I came into church, and my little mama would just rub my back, and I'd sit on the back row and cry so bad I want to throw up, But if everybody just knew, I wouldn't have to go to church because everybody knows I don't go to church, right? Everybody knows I don't do this. Everybody knows I don't do this. I could just ingrain myself. I could plant myself and root myself in inequality with God and nobody would ever expect anything godly to come out of me. But you've got to decide that inequality with God is not something worthy to be grasped or clung to. And reach up and grab your joint heir's hand and let him help you continually, habitually conquer the lies of the adversary that you're unworthy and you're unable to sit with him. We got to go. Jesus in Mark chapter 6 went back to his hometown. Everybody was amazed when he was talking. Man, what kind of guy is this? This is crazy. This is miraculous. How does he have this authority? How does he have this anointing? And then there's always one, right? Somebody says, well, isn't that Mary's boy? Isn't that so-and-so? Isn't that just one of us? Isn't that just this? Isn't that just this? And then everybody got offended. And then he could do no miracles there. They made distinctions among themselves with evil motives. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So how many times do you look at yourself when the Spirit of God has... Let hope arise in you and faith arise in you and you believe he's going to do great exploits through you and he's going to do this in my life and he's going to do this in my life and he's going to allow me to see this in my life and I'm going to walk in this promise in my life and then you're the one that looks at yourself and says, but you're Beverly's boy. You're that guy who was raised in church and did vile stuff in the church. You're that guy who lied and cheated and did this and did this and manipulated and conned. You're that guy. And then we get offended that God even made us have hope that we could be something different. And we tighten our grip on inequality with God. And we loose our grip on the one who came down to grab us, to hold, to lock hands with us, to meet us, to join us. He released to come to us and we won't release to go with him. And he could do nothing there. He can do nothing in us when we won't let go. You know, I say all the time that seraphims are circling the throne of God. And they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And I say all the time, I believe with all my heart that they just keep saying that because as they circle the throne, they are for eternity perpetually always discovering new facets, new things about God that they're like, oh my goodness, holy. And they make another lap. Wow, holy, wow, holy. Listen to me. He wants to take you from glory to glory to glory. Higher and higher and higher further and further and further away from that inequality place that you want to cling to, but you've got to let go. And here's what you should be saying about your life. This should be the reality because his mercies are new every day. His refusal to leave you where you are are new every day. When you lay your head on your pillow at night, God refuses to let you wake up the next day the same way you went to bed the day before. He's saying, Come up higher. Come up higher. Somebody come play. Come up higher. Come up higher. This should be our reality. Hey, it says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing, okay? So let's just keep going with this. This is the conversations we have about ourselves. Your right hand shouldn't have to do things so that your left hand can convince your brain that you're holy because your right hand did something good. But you should be constantly, every day, Amazed, just like the seraphims are amazed. Be holy, cause I'm holy. You should be coming to a greater reality every day. Holy! Wow! This thing happened, and my th- first thought wasn't this; it was this. Whoa! Whoa! I'm ecstatic right now. Oh my goodness! Holy! Am I becoming more like you? Whoa! Oh, I want some more of this. I want some more of this. I want some more of this. The next day, oh my goodness, whoa! That insecurity, that thing that used to drive me crazy if I felt the slightest bit slighted by somebody, that thing that used to just drive me into a cave, just fell right off of me, whoa! That's one less thing that's lacking in my life. I must be getting closer and closer to holy, complete and lacking nothing. Wow, today I just discovered another thing in my life that's not lacking. Whoa, (laughs) it's not balance. Everybody stand with me, if you will. This thing is amazing. This journey with God is amazing. It's not every day. Oh, my goodness. I've got to do some more stuff today so that God will love me. you're actually going further away. Do you understand that? Because you're putting your trust with a messed up view and with a messed up worthy system and a messed up scale and you're trusting a thief. And what happens when religion doesn't work? What happens when you've done it all and it didn't work? What do you do then? I've heard people say, I tried God, I tried church. No, you didn't. You tried a form of a broken God, you did not try God. I tried church, it didn't work. No, you didn't try the church. You tried a church that must have propped up the broken God, that doesn't work. I'm not saying we're perfect. You might try us and it didn't work. Well, you discovered something in us that wasn't like him and we're trying to become more like him. So try again. Maybe we're better now because we're all just trying to be holy as he is holy. We just want to wake up every day and say thank you God for your mercy that's new today. I see it working in my life. I see it manifesting in the way that I treat my children. I see it manifesting in the way I respond to my wife. I see it working in the way that I put my hands to my job and I honor my boss. I see it working all through my life. And I'm just laying up treasure in heaven, in heaven, in heaven. And it's not for the sweet by and by because that's where you're sitting. Everything that you do out of your seated place is producing a harvest where you are because you're in heaven. This ain't about deferred gratitude, deferred fulfillment, deferred satisfaction. It's about now. Stay there, plant there, reproduce there, get a harvest there and have treasure there and enjoy it. And let go of inequality with God. Prayer team, will you come? Lord, I needed you to stop time 15 more minutes and I would have been on time. Prayer team, if you'll come, thank you. I want to reiterate to you again. I especially hate religion more than some because it is a specific assignment on my life. But let me be clear. Because I don't manipulate people into responding at a time of heightened emotion to some catchy altar call does not mean in any way that I have a devalued sense of praying one for another. Sometimes I think because I say you're dismissed, prayer team's here, come to prayer. Y'all may think that I think that this is an afterthought and not important. That's not the case. I just refuse to sow into those religious mindsets that says even if you come down here and even if you receive an amazing prayer, you'll still leave with a tainted view of it and the enemy will be able to rob you of that seed because you think you got it from manipulation. Are you with me? because I've seen it happen too many times in my life. I've seen it happen too many times in countless students' life that I've pastored. And I hate to say that I've manipulated with the best of intentions, yet it did not produce a harvest that lasted. But I just want to tell you, there is healing here. Our prayer team every week prays over these services. They come early and they intercede for our services and God wants to use them to bring healing in your life, healing in your bodies, healing in your homes. Lord, we thank you. Can we just pray together? Lord, we thank you that you love us, that you chose us, that you knew what you were getting into. You're not shocked. You're not confused. You knew what you were getting into. And you still thought equality with God was not something to cling to, but you released your hand and you came to meet us. Pause that prayer for just a minute. I just want to tell you this is how, I, thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding me. This is really how I felt like I was supposed to end today. I started, what in the world are you thinking? And I just want to say that the kindness of God draws us to repentance. But as Jahan said Wednesday night, the correction of God affirms us as sons and daughters. And just two weeks ago, for the very first time in his his dear, tender, new life, I popped Jehu's hand. He just turned one year old. Everything up until this point was just the kindness of dad, the kindness of mom. Give him, give him, passy, bottle, diaper, what, 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 what. But the other day he met the correction of dad. Cause that sin nature was working and he just refused to stop doing something that was harmful and I you would have thought I beat him with a bat and I just see God today I see him very serious about these thought processes that you're having and he said Stop it. Stop. I have loved you. I've drawn you. I've been kind to you. I've showed you my goodness. Stop it. I cannot let you live like that. I cannot let you find worth in that. I cannot let you find comfort in that because it will destroy you and it will destroy us. And I love you. Stop it. What in the world are you thinking? Stop it. Stop it today. Stop it. Young men, stop it. Teenage men, stop it. I don't care what mom said. I don't care what dad said. I don't care what anybody else said. You're just this. You're just this. You're just this. You stop it today. Because that's not what he says. You stop that. Stop that. Men and women of God, you stop that today. Stop it. He's pleading with you today. Stop it. I love you. So we respond to that today, God. We receive your word today, God. We receive your correction today, God. Help us. Help us stop it. It's so strong sometimes. It's all we hear sometimes. It's reiterated and it's, it's echoed everywhere we look sometimes, God. Help us stop it. I just release just waves of clarity right now. Silence every lying voice right now in Jesus' name. I take you captive right now. Every thought, I take you captive right now. And I throw you down violently at the feet of Jesus. And I say, you obey. Yes. In the name of Jesus. You obey. This is the truth. I am a son. I am a daughter. Jesus knew what he was getting into and he came for me anyway. And he would not have me to think this way. So I bind you and I curse you. And right now, I just renounce every lie that I've agreed with, everything that I've lent agreement to with my own voice about myself. Every distinction I've made, every place I've attempted to assign myself to sit with evil motives, with agreement with my adversary, right now, I just renounce it. I break the back of it. I say that it no longer has authority over me. Everything I've confessed about me, myself, but refused to repent for, today, I just break every soul tie with that. That is not who I am. That is not who I am. Anybody today wants someone to agree with you? Just come up. They'll be up here to pray. There's power in agreement. Power in agreement. Will you pray with me? Somebody needs to come up and say, will you pray with me? And agree with me that every word curse that I've even spoken over myself is broken in Jesus' name. I will dream again. I will live again. I will have hope again. I will have passion again. I will dare to believe again. That I am who he says I am. And I'll be who he says I'll be. No weapon, no no weapon, no weapon. No assignment is going to stop me. I just, right now, come on, just, can everybody just symbolically just release like you're, you're reaching down? Just release. I think you got to make a choice today. I really believe you got to release one or the other. He's pulling you higher, and the lies are pulling you lower. by faith today will you make a statement about which one you will believe I release inequality with God as something to be clung to I'm an heir and a joint heir with Christ and I have the spirit of adoption and wherefore I cry beloved father thank you for your mercy and for your grace thank you for loving me and calling me thank you for putting your hand on me and protecting me. Thank you for restoring me to my rightful place, seated with you in heavenly places. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.